Uh, we're going to be in Psalms uh, 74 uh, tonight. Uh, this psalm is, uh, is an interesting one uh, just by the simple fact of uh, what's actually taking place and actually trying to determine uh, what is taking place. It's uh, attributed another psalm. It says a, a contemplation of Asaph. Uh, now, there are several things with this one. Um, depending on the time, it talks about several different things, and it's uh, kind of hard to pinpoint a time of when uh, this psalm actually took place. And actually, is it the Asaph that uh, we've that done some other psalms? It could be uh, that it's not. It could be some descendants of his. Uh, it, it's usually attributed, everything that I can uh, can find out about this psalm, it's contributed to maybe three different occasions, and it's hard to pinpoint which one it is. There's a lot of division on which time it is. Uh, many seem to think it's the time when uh, Nebuchadnezzar come into uh, Jerusalem and overtook Jerusalem and uh, brought uh, most of, of Israel into captivity in that later period. Uh, some thinks it could be some, some different times of of some different events that took place where they were invaded. Um, it's kind of hard to pinpoint it down. Um, I try not to get, myself anyway, I like it for just to study and look at, but I try not to get too um, dogmatic about certain dates. And sometimes it, it does matter, but it, it really doesn't change the effect of the psalm and it doesn't change the point of the psalm. But it is good to know, maybe know what's going on, what's going on with the psalmist when they're writing these things. Um, but I tend to believe by some of the things that are said in it, something done, I believe it is during the time when they're taken into uh, Babylonian captivity. And the psalmist here, uh, I don't believe it may be the Asaph that it was. It may be actually some of the descendants, uh, depending on that time, uh, that's referred to as Asaph. Uh, just simply because of some of the things that he's talking about, the psalmist is talking about, um, and it's this little remnant, this little small part of, of some of these uh, that were left that actually didn't, wasn't brought into captivity. And what this psalmist is feeling uh, because of that, maybe abandoned uh, by God, um, uh, kind of rejected that God's not, watching out for them now because of everything that's happened. And it's just some interesting things, I think, that we can make some application uh, to our own lives. But let's read a few verses and, and talk about them this evening. He says, O God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion where you have dwelt. Uh, notice what he says here in the beginning. Oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Now, uh, one, did God cast them off? You know, I, this is why I kind of think, you know, when you think about the, the captivity of them brought into Babylon, is when you start looking at what's taking place, this psalmist here that is, doesn't, uh, that is writing this, God's not cast them off. God's still with his people, but is he with them in Jerusalem? Where are they at now? 
in Babylon if this is the time. He, he's with them. He's already instruct, he's instructed them what's going to take place during that time in Babylon. He's instructed them of, of the events that would take place, how they would live their lives and when they would come back. He's with them in a sense. There's some things in which they're paying for. There, there's some consequences of their actions, of things that they did. They're being disciplined, but God is with them and telling them, but what about... It's this, uh, this system of a kingdom, this system of a monarchy that they had within Jerusalem. It, it, it's no longer. It, it, it's not going to be a part of that anymore. And it never was intended to be that. But the psalmist here is feeling like, okay, God, why, why have you rejected us? Why have you cast us off? And why are you letting this happen? You know, it, it's not that God has cast them off. God is, is fulfilling his plan. He's going through with his plan. And his plan wasn't that earthly kingdom. His plan, his plan wasn't that, that, that uh, uh, monarchy of them serving as they were. That, that's going to be gone. Uh, and this is just part of that. But nevertheless, the feeling is still there. You know, he, he, he says here, you know, God, why have you cast us off forever? Uh, and I like how he says, why have you cast us all forever? It, it's, it's, it's given that sense of, of finality of what's took place. You know, it, it was this, that's why I believe it's during the time of, of Nebuchadnezzar when they come and done that, just because of this finality of how devastating it was and what that must have looked like and what that must have felt like and, and what they must have seen during that. That, that had to be what it looked like. That had to be what uh, they were uh, uh, experiencing at that time. Why does your anger smote against us, he says, the sheep of your pasture? So as he's seeing all this, now he goes in and he says, Remember your congregation which you have purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance. The only thing really for that psalmist at, at, the, psalmist at the time is, Okay, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the devastation that I'm seeing. Here's the trial that I'm facing. All I can do now is, is go back to what I remember how God was. How God was to us, that, that relationship that was there. And we, I think we can relate to this. When we get into a situation to where we disobey God, there's consequences for disobeying God. When God chastises us for disobeying Him, then we can see that difference of, okay, this is how it used to be. This is how when I had that relationship with God, when that relationship was what it should be, now I'm seeing how it's not. And you can really see the difference. You can see what that's amounted to. You can see where it's gone to now. And, and it had to be pretty devastating. So I think all the psalmist has here is, is just seeing what God, uh, what that relationship used to be like to them. But it wasn't, and I think what he's failing to understand and what uh, uh, many do, it wasn't about the relationship that God had with them they were turning it into something that he didn't want it to be to start with. It was turning into a system that he didn't want it to be to begin with. And he, as he's going through this, it's not like God said, okay, plan B didn't work, or plan A didn't work, let's go to plan B. There's always just been plan A. But in their minds, they during this process of God setting up everything that he needs to set up, they're, they're still trying to be, or now this remnant that was left especially, it had got so conceited and idol worship to where they even had things within the, uh, the temple itself. It They got to a point to where God wasn't a part of it like he wanted to be a part of it. It was almost like its own 
their terms instead of his terms. And it wasn't going to be that to begin with. But then now he's wondering, well, how did this go wrong? And I, I think it's a legitimate feeling. It's a legitimate process. But sometimes that has to happen for God to show this is what I intend for it to be, not what you think it should be, not what you've turned it into being, but this is, this is what it should be. And I think it's interesting how God is still doing that with the captives that's in Babylon. He's still showing them, okay, here's where you're at. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how you get through that. Here's how I'm going to continue my plan. But you do still have some that was still, well, Jerusalem was it. This, this, it, it ought to have been this. It ought to have been this way when God is showing them uh, that it's not. Any thoughts about this? This is kind of interesting. Like I say, there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. But really, I think the psalm is coming to, you, you've got someone taking a hard look at where it is now in relationship with God, and it's hard to see. It would affect that, that, that in the minute, mm-hmm. it would be that good. We're, we're, we thought we were doing right. Why would God let this happen? Even with all of our theology of we know that good things don't always work out, I, I feel for them in this situation just yeah. kind of wringing their hands going, how could this have ever happened? Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, I, I always looked at them from the prospect of those that went, were in Babylon captivity. I never looked at it from the perspective of the sum that were <laughs> that were that were left that were not, and I think this is what this psalm is with those individuals that were left and what was taking place and what they were seeing and and not understanding uh, why. I'm not saying that this psalmist wasn't faithful to God. I think there were some that was left that that wasn't, and they were turning things into uh, what it shouldn't be to begin with. But they. Uh, God's not forsook them. It's just God is showing them, okay, it's not about this. Just like Titus was saying, if it come in and destroyed this building, and that's what he's going to go in and describe, it, it, even though we can say it's not about the building, and God is trying to show us it's not about the building, there's still ties to that emotionally and, and you know, how we do. I mean, ah. Uh, you know, I, I would be devastated because I'm, I'm a traditionalist, so I'd be devastated if something changed or something, you know, when it took me a while to get used to the, the, little, the cups during COVID. Now it's taking me a while to get back to the, to the other. You know, it, it's, I get used to something. I think that's, that's part of it. That's the way it should be. It's in the Bible. That's the way we do it now, and we need to keep it that way. You know, we need to add it back there to the maps, everything that we, we, we do. But... On the realistic side, that, that that's a real uh, emotional thing to be able to see, especially what they went through and how they seen how they ultimately come in and just they didn't just destroy things, they defaced things, they 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 turned things around. It, it's just like they did everything they could to make it not about God, uh, you know, anything pagan that they could do with it, and that's I think that's why it makes it hard for them to to see. Notice here, starting verse three. He says, lift up your feet to the perpetual desolations. 
Uh, the enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. Your enemies roar in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their banners for signs. They seem like men who lift up axes among the thick trees, and now they break down their carved work at, uh, all at once with axes and hammers. They have set fire to your sanctuary. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name, your name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them all together. They have burned up all the meeting places of God in the land. They, they were like lumberjacks coming in, cutting everything down, like stripping down a forest. And if you think about how it was made and all the, the things that were in there and, and, and what they were doing, I, I think some of it, they're probably in there after the gold uh, and trying to get to the gold that was there, but destroying other things too. Um, can you imagine watching that? Can you imagine being a part of that and just seeing, and I like how he says here, this perpetual desolation. It's, it's something that when he's seeing it, he's realizing there's no coming back from this. You know, there, there's, this is done in such a way that, that it's very obvious. And, but I look at this on the, the other side too. I think that was part of what God wanted them to see and experience. I, I think there had to be this, this, this breakaway from, from this system. And then, of course, they got back to that. We've seen that even in Jesus' time of how they, how they looked at things. But I, I think that because when God does something, he, doesn't, he, he, he leaves no doubt of, of how he's doing it. And, and I think that's what he did when he had the enemy come in and, uh, and, and take them there and, and in the way in which they, they did it. Um, and I think this psalmist is seeing that. He's experiencing that to the fact of there, there's no coming back from this. And, and God, I think he, he needed to get that across. That system, that system of the kingdom that they're, they're, they're attaching themselves to and what they have made it, is not what he intended. And he was making sure that was going to be gone. Um, but just to see that, them come in and just uh, uh, tear down everything and, and uh, to, a, to a disgrace level, that had to be very devastating for them. And that's how I think the, uh, uh, the psalmist here is, is just, is describing it and I like how he says here lift up your feet to this and in other words why why are you gonna sit back and let this happen you know you, you ought to be doing something you're able to do something and this isn't a uh, this isn't from a a standpoint of someone who doesn't believe I don't believe this is someone who's just rebellious against God I think it's someone who believes that that God could do something that this is horrible but just not understanding why God's not doing it, but I think even to the level of why are you not only allowing it, it seems like you're, you're attacking us here. You, you forsook us here. You've, you've left us alone like you just left us high and dry on this. And in some, I don't know if I can explain this, how I'm thinking in my mind. I think in some, at some level, that's what God was showing them. God wasn't there with them as it were. It, it in what they're holding dear to, God was there with them in Babylon. You know, his, his people now is taken to Babylon. He's orchestrated that. He's part of that. He's not going to be in the part like they thought he was. Does that make sense? It's not that God is forsook them, that God's nowhere around, that God's not, not in this area anymore. He's, he's in this area. But he's not with them 
as they thought they should be. Now, again, you, we, you can go in and do some other studies and things and see there, there's groups that were left back that were so conceited and so rebellious that pagan worship was going on. That There's a lot of things that were happening here that God was saying, nope, that's not how it should be. I'm, I, I'm not a part of that because you're not a part of who I am. I'm a part of this over here. I'm taking care. I'm still taking care of my people. They're in captivity, but I'm still taking care of my people. But what you're seeing is something that he's, he's trying to get them to, to turn loose of. Um, where do we get, Brian? Verse 9. Verse 9, okay. He says, uh, we do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who know how long. Now, there's a, uh, I was surprised with this, too. There's a lot of discussion on what he means by this. There's no prophet. Is this during that inter-celestial uh, time when God providentially silenced, uh, uh, silenced them? Um, did it mean there was nobody that was speaking for God anywhere? I don't believe that that's what he's meaning here. And I think this kind of helps set up the time too because if he's talking about what do you have? You have Daniel and Ezekiel that's in Babylon. You've got, uh, if this is depending on which time it is, you've got Jeremiah that was forcefully taken to Egypt. So in that essence, you don't have anybody that's speaking for God in, in that sense. So, so I think to say there's, there's no longer any prophet there, that, that would be a true statement. Um, and I, I kind of lean more that's what he's talking about here. There's, there's nobody left that, that's speaking for uh, uh, that's speaking for God. You don't have any prophet left. Um, and, and again, I think that's, that's by design of God. You, you've got these things taking place. You've got God's word being, being uh, uh, taught in the way in which he wants it taught, where he's wanting it taught at that moment. And I think that's what they're, uh, they're seeing here. Any thoughts about that? Has anybody done any studies on that? Um, again, there's a lot of th this. This psalm has been a little difficult for me because I, I I can't pinpoint exactly. Some things change my mind as I go through the psalm. Uh, I think to truly understand it in one particular way, you have to say, okay, here's where I think it is. Here's when I think it is, and this is why. And I think I'm there. I may not be exactly a hundred percent. But the things in which he says here tend to lead me to believe that that's when, when this time was during uh, Nebuchadnezzar when they come in and destroyed and then took them to captivity. Um, he says, nor is there any among us who know how long. Here's where you start seeing where they're really struggling. Is They start asking the question that we all ask when we go through a trial, how long? How long is this going to last? What he's seeing is this is something that's perpetual. This is something that looks forever. But what I want to know is, is how long? How, how long is this going to happen? He says, among us, who knows how long? They don't have anybody. He's saying there's not a prophet here left now that's going to say, okay, this is what you're going to do. God's already told them if it's during that time of Babylon. He's already told them how long they're going to be in Babylon. See, that's the difference. You, you've got a group here that's not in Babylon. It's almost like to me there's two separate situations going on. You've got the ones in Babylon. Go, God told them, okay, here's what you do. Here's how you live. Here's how you interact. Here's how you get through it for this time, and then I'll, I'll bring you back. Then you've got the group, this other small group that, that's still holding on and thinking, 
okay, where, where did God go in this? How long is this? Why is this happening now? How long is this going to go? And, and it's going to keep going because it's not going to be like they think it should be. So the trial, they're holding on to something, and, and that makes the trial worse. We, we could put this in modern-day terms. What makes a lot of our trials worse is that we still hold on to a belief. We still hold on to something that we have, have skewed from the way that God says it should be. And we're holding on to that, and it's not working out like we think it should. And it makes it harder on us because we keep trying to hold on to it that way. When it may not be that way. And we've tucked it to, to do something different than what God said, so it makes that trial harder. And that, that's what I think they're going through here. They're saying, how long is this going to be? We don't have anybody that's speaking for God that's going to tell us how long it's going to be. But the thing is, God had told them how long it was going to be when it comes to the captivity itself. But they're wanting to know in, in these terms here. He says, oh God, how long would the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand, take it out of your bosom and destroy them? You're saying, God, I know you're able to do it. I, I, I know you're able to, to make this right in their, their eyes is what they're thinking. And, I mean, think about it. What is it that you think exactly that they're wanting God to do? Stop the persecution. Yeah, stop the persecution. Okay. Uh, how do they think he's going to do that? Has God stopped the persecution? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess if I, I'd look at it different, we've got the benefit of knowing what God's doing. We've got the benefit of seeing how it turned out. We don't have the benefit of being the one carried off in the captivity or the ones that's remnant here of going through that moment. So, you know, I, I think as I read this, I'm thinking... If you would just listen and follow God, God told you how to get through this. But they're going through the moment and thinking, this is horrible. We're Christian. God, you're able to do that. If you just reach out your hand and smile them, it, it'd be all over. You know, is he, are they wanting to say, okay, uh, God, you go ahead and destroy it. We're going to build, build it back right now. Everything's going to be right back like it was. Well, it can't be right back like it was. God didn't want it to be like it was. But yet... They can't see it any farther. It's, to me, it's no different than how the disciples seen things as Jesus was describing things to them. You know, especially there in Matthew 23 when he was just, you know, they're going around showing him everything. He said, one stone won't be unturned. To, you know, they're thinking, okay, that must be the end of time then. So tell us when it's going to be. If it's going, this is going to be destroyed, then that means everything's over with. You know, I, I think that mindset it was, was still throughout. Um, and I think if we're not careful, sometimes we can get in the same mindset and think something is persecution to us, something is hard on us because we've made it that way, because we refuse to give in fully to what God wants us to do, and we're really fighting against it. Uh, and we think it's persecution, but it's actually us just fighting against God of what he truly wants us, us to do. Um, but here they're thinking... You know, and I, I was asking myself when I was studying this, okay, they, they know God can get, do it. What exactly does that mean? What exactly are they asking for? You know, w what are they wanting to do? I, I think it has more to do with getting things back like they thought it should be instead of, uh, I don't think at some level they think the, the persecution and all that is because they disobey God. I, I don't think they think that. I think it's just that, 
okay, they're attacking you, God, you got to do something about it, when it's God orchestrating it because of their disobedience to him. And I think that's what's hard to reconcile. Um, and I think that same thing could, could be today. Any thoughts? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I, I still couldn't imagine seeing, because again, if, if you still think you're doing right, you still think that you, and I think they, I think even this psalmist was, was faithful, I think they were trying to do, and, and still struggling with everything that happened, but to see that has to be just, and that's how you, you know, I heard someone say, and I forgot where I read that, that that's how you really know you're going through a trial when you start asking how long. <laughs> that, that's when you know you're truly facing something because it's easy to say, okay, I see at this point it's going to be over. Well, is it really a trial then when you really know it's, it's going to be over? You can pretty well get through it if you know it's going to be over. But if you don't know when, that, that can be a pretty big trial. You? Well, it's hard to admit yourself like they should have admitted. And even today with what we see, uh, you know, there comes time when God said, okay, that cup of iniquity is getting pretty full. And that's when God acts is when that gets full. He, he allows a lot of time, but there comes a time when, when he acts. And uh, there are consequences for it. There's, you know, uh, and, and it's hard for us to even look. You know, sometimes we think, uh, well, this evil person's in office here, or this evil person, I mean, from a local all the way up to the main one. Um, how do I know that God's saying, okay, it's time for this and be in because they need to learn a lesson, you know, no matter who it is or when it is. And uh, we've got to be very careful how we, we look at something and view it and say, oh, it's this way because this. God, how can you allow this to happen when God may be the very one who's not only allowing it but causing it, you know? Uh, to the effect of chastising his people for the purpose of, of loving them. I mean, there comes a time your, your kids need a spanking. I mean, it just, there, there comes a time where that has to happen. Uh, I mean, that's pretty uh, low uh, uh, thinking terms, but that's really what it boils down to. Uh, and, and I think that's, but it's hard as the kid getting a spanking to say, but I was justified doing this. I thought I was doing right. I thought, as, as uh, one of my children always said, 
how can a parent say they love their child if they're going to spank them, you know? Uh, uh, and, uh, but that's how we think. That, that, that's how we think about God. God, if you loved us, then this wouldn't be happening. And he's saying, I'm doing this because I love you. And if you were truly following me, this wouldn't happen to begin with. I thought I'd see another hand. Merton, do you have you? And I tell you, we, that, that's when you get into a lot of atheists and a lot of things, that's the, one of the biggest criticisms is we forget God knows the beginning from the end. And when God told him go in and utterly destroy a city, man, woman, and child, that looks pretty horrific. That sounds horrific. That sounds pretty devastating and unloving. But God knowing the beginning from the end, that could have been the most loving thing that he did for, for some individuals. But growing up and and being involved in the things they've been involved in. What's worse, growing up and, and being unfaithful and losing your soul? or you know, It's hard for us to, to, in the moment, it's easy to stand up here in a podium and say, oh, we can see what God's doing. I mean, that's easy. When you're in the moment, that's hard to, to reconcile. And I think that's what this psalmist is going through. It's hard to reconcile when you're facing it. But we do have the benefit of looking at the big picture now of what God has shown us, and we can see, and I think the purpose of him showing that, so we don't make the same mistakes, so we don't fall into the same traps of, of you know, oh, woe is me, why are you good doing this to me, God, instead of, oh, what do I need to change so I can be better so this won't be a part of that, and I think that's what's, uh, what's going on once again here. Well, the whole purpose, why was the whole purpose that they wanted a king to begin with? They wanted to be like everybody else. When God was telling them, but I'm your king, I'm, I'm the one who's, and he even told them, what was it, was it 1 Samuel 8 or 2 Samuel 8, where he tells them, here's what a king's going to do to you if you get that. Well, we want them anyway. We want to be like everybody else. You know, it's everything, even from even taking the land, they didn't drive people out like they, I mean, you can keep tracing it back and tracing it back to disobedience to God, which to them at the time doesn't look like disobedience. It looks like, uh, you know, Saul, when they uh, went in to uh, utterly destroy them, you know, they left back the bet. To them, it looks like, but I'm making sacrifices to you, God, but that's not what he wanted. And, and you get these little things over and over again till pretty soon they add up you know, this leads to this, this leads to this, this leads to this, then you have this. <laughs> you know, then you start seeing these things, and it's just like sin always gets an individual, 
You, you don't realize you're drifting until you're about to go over the waterfall. You know, you don't realize how far you get till you get there. Then you start wondering, well, how did we get here? And you start focusing on that moment instead of focusing on what got you to that to begin with that you might need to make some changes with. Uh, and, and it's a hard process. I mean, we're, we're, we're human. We're, we're emotional. We're, we have these feelings that can run away with us. And we, we can get into these traps without realizing it. It doesn't make it hurt any less. But at some point, we have to be able to rationalize, maybe, maybe I'm the problem. You know, maybe I'm the one that, that that's the problem. And maybe I'm the one that needs to change. It wasn't God that's the issue. It's, it's what's happening uh, with me. It says, for God is my king from old. Uh, notice verse 12. Again, he, he, now he's getting in, okay, I see all of this. And again, all he's got left is to remember uh, uh, what God is to him. He said, for God is my king from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the water. You broke the heads of the Leviathan uh, in pieces and gave him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You broke open the fountain and the flood. You dried up mighty rivers. The day is yours. The night also is yours. You have prepared the light in the sun. Here you have, and I'll be honest, I struggled with this section. And the more I, I studied, the more I read different things. I don't know if it got any better for me, but it does seem as you got a couple things going on here. You've got, especially when the Babylon captivity, you've got the things that they're doing. You've got a lot of mythical uh, uh, stories and things that they've used to hearing that's around the hearing. Uh, then you've got actually what took place with some mystical language with it. Uh, everything that I read and everything I could study seemed like they're talking about when God brought them out of Egypt and when they crossed over the Red Sea and what happened when uh, uh, the Egyptian army followed them and how God drowned them, in, drowned them in the sea with a sense of a little bit of poetry and a little uh, uh, mythology mixed in about, because that's how mythology worked in, about any time they conquered anything, it's conquering that sea monster. Um, now, whether it is or not, I don't know. What he's basically, uh, I think, trying to say here, here's what you did for us. Here, here's how you took care of us. Here's how you, uh, uh, you were the, our strength and the things that you were able to destroy. It's almost like he's saying, okay, I, I've had my little say on why are you letting this happen. I've had my little pity party with what I'm seeing around me of everything that's took place. But I'm going. I'm choosing to remember who you are and what you did for us. It's almost like he's having a realization. Here's everything you did for us, and here's how we return the favor. And that's that's pretty sorry on our part that you did all of this. You took care of all this. You were our strength, and now this is this is what it's come to. Uh, and I think that's what he's uh, kind of reflecting on here. Has anybody studied anything else on this, or think anything else on that? Pretty clear as mud, Jimmy, isn't it? Okay, good. Um, says, uh, where did I get to? You have prepared the light, verse 16. Uh, the day is yours, the night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Remember this, that the enemy has reproached, O Lord, and that a foolish people has blasphemed your name. O do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast.'" 
Do not forget the life of your uh, poor forever. Have respect to the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. Oh, do not let the oppressed return to shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. So he's realizing here, okay, you, you've delivered uh, 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 the people over to Babylon. You've, you've delivered over to the enemy. You've, you've done this. You're all powerful. Just, it's like he's saying, just hold on to them. Don't let them return the same way that they were. You know, when all this is said and done, hopefully you're going to learn something from it. Hopefully something's going to take place. And, um, I, I think sometimes if we put it in modern day things today, when we go through trials, when we go through struggles, when we see something devastating and we can't understand why, we can't bring ourselves to understand why, we can't figure out why and how long it's going to be, at some point all we can do is, God, I know this is who you are. I know this is what you've done, and I'm going to trust in that. Uh, I don't understand any. I think the psalmist here is saying, I don't understand any of this. All I can do is, I know what you've done. I know what I'm seeing. I can only trust what you're going to do. Um, and I think there's times in our life that's all we can do because we don't know. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know uh, what it's going to be uh, when these things happen. Uh, where we get to, Brian? I looked up. Verse, 20, verse 22? Yeah, 22. Arise, O God, plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you daily. Do not forget the voice of your enemies, the tumult of, of those who rise up against you increases continually. Uh, I think he's saying here, I can't do anything about it. I know you can. Don't forget what's going on. Don't forget what the enemy's doing. I think here there's still not a realization of, yeah, the enemy is attacking. It's not that God doesn't know what's happening. It's just that God is, is taking care of it, and this is part of what does need to happen. You know, God raises up some pretty evil people to do his bidding to accomplish what he needs to. Um, and I think that's what we see that's happening here. Like I say, this... This is, a, to me, a little bit of a complicated psalm. Uh, I think you can narrow it down to some pretty simple things of application to it. But it's basically, uh, if it's not going how God wants it to, God is going to make a change. Or God is going to make sure his plan is achieved, and it may be a pretty devastating change to us. Any final thoughts about this?